never miss the water till your well runs dry. You never miss Joe Turner till he says goodbye. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Tonight is Thursday, May the 11th, 2023, coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. My name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Uh, Hey, Joel, I'm doing well. I'm coming at you, as usual, from Brooklyn, New York. And my hot take for tonight, you're going to love this. I'm ready. My hot take for tonight is unions are ruining this country. Ah, boo. All right. All right. You ready? I texted you about this earlier today and you didn't even respond. So I'm bringing it up now where you'll be forced to respond to me. All right. Unions are ruining this country and I'll tell you why. The Boston Red Sox had two days off this week, right? That's two days, no game games monday and thursday and this is bullshit and i'll tell you why okay monday i never thought what's then so they played a two-game set yeah against atlanta okay oh yeah okay the interleague thing yeah um so i am just assuming that there are teams take days off because of the players union right it's just gotta be but that's what you need to do because that's what unions do but here's what i'm saying baseball teams should play baseball games every single fucking day okay like these guys only work half the year they get paid millions and millions of dollars i'm a business owner right i run a business we're open seven days a week Okay, 363 days a year okay like we're not even asking baseball players we're not even asking baseball teams to play baseball every day all year round it's just during the season like why are they taking two whole fucking days off this week like you know staff your staff your team enough (laughs) so that you can give people days off and we still don't have to like go days without baseball this is bullshit to me, right? These are, these are like, this is like the highest paid profession in America. Like, not American sports, America. And they can't even play. They can't even be open every single day. Give me a break. Right. Yeah. Thus begins small business owner Sam's slow descent into the Republican Party. <laughs> and, right. Into capitalist monster. <laughs> I pay my taxes. I pay my workers. Why aren't they here seven days oh, a week? See, the descent into conservatism. Oh, is, the descent into conservatism is I stop paying my taxes. Like, yeah. <laughs> am I paying all these taxes? Why the hell am I paying all these taxes? This isn't about taxes, Joel. This is about like a business that somehow just closes two days a week so that their employees can have days off. Like right. Right. business appropriately stay open seven days a week. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so I'm on board with you in the sense that I'm pissed off about these. Two day, two game series. The White Sox have one with the Cubs later this month, or maybe I think it's next month actually. 
And it's one of those bullshit Tuesday, Wednesday series. Those do suck. I agree. Baseball players should get no more than one day a week off. Monday or Thursday, right? You either play, you go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, take Monday off, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? Two, three game sets a week. I don't mind people having two days off a week. What I mind is like closing closing the doors of the Red Sox two days a week to give people days off. It's like pay more employees, play games every day, give your workers days off during the week, but like don't close. So wait, are you saying like expand the rosters and bring up AAA guys to play on that? Say, on Monday or something like that. Fifty-man roster. Uh-huh. Play games every single day. That's what I'm saying. I'm not opposed to that idea because then the actual labor hours don't change. Like right. Devos actually plays the same amount of games, but then give me somebody who's on your AAA team right now. Maybe this isn't an anti-union hot take after all. Right? No. Right? Who? Who's somebody? What, who's you? I'm actually currently arguing for more union jobs. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. Who? Wait, who's your? Are the Sea Dogs your AAA team? The Woo Sox. Yeah, the Woo Sox. Yeah. The Woo Sox. Okay. Who's someone on the Woo Sox right now? Man. Who would? Who would never get a do- like somebody who would never actually play a major league game? For me, it's um. Oh shit, like, well, Romy Gonzalez probably, like, a guy, okay, I'm going to throw outfielder Romy Gonzalez. He has played for the White Sox, but he shouldn't. He's a triple A fucking guy, right? But what if once a week I had to watch fucking Romy Gonzalez get called up from triple A Charlotte to play that, that union restricted Monday afternoon game? Right. I would kind of be into that. Well, I mean, you don't have to rest all of your good players on the same day. But. Right. You'd be a poor business operator if you did. What I'm saying is we could be playing 180, 190 games a year here Mm -hmm. without all these fucking off days. So here's my question, because, okay, baseball players, they make a lot of money. It's a, right, blah, 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 blah. And they only, quote, unquote, play from April 1st to September 31st or, you know, the end of March to the beginning of October. But they don't, like, they're at work every day for that six-month span. Like, it is a labor-intensive job for that period. Right. Well, they start work in February. Right. And they, yeah, and they're working out, like... They've got an off season, but that's not all vacation. That's hitting right. the gym and, and planning and things like that. But you could go like a long time without seeing your family if you're a baseball player. In theory. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm just going to judo you into saying that your hot take is pro union, expand the rosters. Hire more guys, increase payroll. Right. And then you increase revenue too. Yeah, exactly. Don't close the stadiums. Right. I like that. Have you been following the um, writer's strike? No. Oh, the, like the, I don't know. I think it's the 
Writers Guild of America, the WGA, is on strike. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm aware of it. Yes. They're afraid of AI. They're afraid of AI. Yeah. I've been I've been watching lots of good YouTube videos about that. So support the writers strike. Um yeah, come on, Sam. There's a pro union. Computers are gonna take all our jobs before long anyway. I don't know what the point of this strike is. It's just like you know, invest in chat GPT and then stop working, right? I'd be totally fine with that if then everybody you laid off from that job got like a hundred thousand dollar a year pension. Right. That, then then fine. Let the robot that's what they should be striking for. That that's what they should be like, pay me not to work. Right. Yeah. Unironically, pay me not to work. Yeah. That would be great. And that's the future. It should be. Computers are going to take all our jobs. Right. By the time that we die, assuming, okay, assuming okay. we die of old age. <laughs> by, the time, <laughs> by the time we die, all of our jobs will no longer be done by humans. That's what sure. I'm saying. Sure. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, we got to talk a little bit more about our sci-fi novel then uh but moving on also joining us tonight as per not usual very excited about this special guest we've been trying to get him on the show literally for years jp jp how's it going pretty good how's it going joel very good very old friend of both you and mr sherman here also <laughs> coming in from brooklyn happy to be joining you guys after all this time I've uh, heard a lot about the show, but never actually been, a, been a, uh, around to hear one of the podcasts or be part of one before. Um, I have a hot take today, and my hot take is I think wool uniforms are due for a comeback. Okay. Everything uh, old is new again recently, and as much as there's concerns about, you know, players' fitness, and I you normally work in restaurants, so every time I come out and see anything from a game, it's usually on TV at the bar, and I catch a glance. And I noticed far more time spent on screen in baseball as people just standing around kind of waiting for things to happen in, let's just say, working in a hard industry, a little too leisurely of a uh, posture or an attitude. And one of the nice things about wool, wool uniforms, besides having a very um, structurally sound look that I kind of prefer on clothes, I like things a little bit more boxy, um, they also have a nice heat retention element to them with a wicking ability for sweat that generally speaking, I think I could do a lot for a lot of the, um, guts I see these days compared to when I was growing up on players standing on the field. Like a sauna that you wear. Exactly. Right. <laughs> an, itchy, an itchy sauna that you wear. It'll install discipline if they don't want to be stuck unintentionally scratching their ash on national television, they're going to have to think a little bit more intently about how they stand and maintain their posture during the game. I like it. I just like adding an element to the game where players playing in Georgia in the middle of August just fall down to the ground from heat stroke is like an interesting aspect. Oh, so that adds like an element to the game, like a new like wrinkle, like a new rule. Yeah. 
Like what happens if you left field and passes out in the middle of the play? Right. I like the look of it more of not being able to lean too hard on any one player during a single game. <laughs> well, they do feel good. I'm putting this wool jersey I bought. Oh, they are itchy though. Well, that's kind what of that jersey cost you. Wool's not cheap. I don't know. It is wool. You don't, you don't know how much you paid for it? <laughs> I have to look at my receipts. I don't want no, to we stop shopping when you're drunk. <laughs> exactly. Did I tell you I'm going to Budapest later? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, they are itchy, but they do look good. Yeah, so, it's good. It's good fabric. Yeah. Yeah. Solid choice. I'm a big sweater guy. I don't wear sweaters very much, but I like own a bunch of them. Interesting. Yeah. So my other thought I had, JP, while you were talking was everything old is new again, which I really like that idea. Like, what else do we need to bring back? Like, wool caps. I love the the high socks. I'm a big fan of high socks. Uh, More of a wool sock person myself, except when it comes to wool socks. Oh, really? Wool. Well, wool is not necessarily the most pleasant thing on a hot day. Uh-huh. Anytime there's any sort of need for protection, coverage, or even just some level of water of weather protection without also turning into a completely unbreathable fabric, wool is a pretty good, sturdy protector. Right. Build out of wool tend to last pretty long unless they're, you know, something like a cashmere sweater, which is just inherently constructed more lightly. But it's one of the more durable fabrics out there. It stands up to use and it's highly functional. So I've got a question and I'm trying to think about like 19th century farmers. Wouldn't they wear wool? Of course. Well, it depends on what kind of farmer. Sure. Because it's a protective layer. Well, it's not just that, but it's something that is not destroyed by inclement weather. Mm -hmm. It uh, it's, you often is constructed heavily enough that it provides some level of protection, but it doesn't require something completely unbreathable or something of, you know, requiring uh, treatment. Like, you don't necessarily need a full umbrella and a wool, you know, nice right. wool jacket. If it's a light rain, well, you just ignore it and go about your way. It dries just fine. Right. It doesn't get damaged like leather. And at the same time, it has many of the insulating and protective uh, properties. I've right. never tripped down wearing, tripped wearing a wool jacket and scraped my knee or my elbow. Hmm. Okay, because I'm thinking right now about my childhood doing a lot of skiing with my family, right? And we wouldn't, well, wear wool. But the number one rule was no cotton can touch your skin, right? Because cotton soaks wet, and then you just have soaking wet cotton up against your bare skin, and that's how you get, like, eventually hypothermia and you die. But you don't, we, we never got to that point. Well, wool and, also, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Uh, wool also uh, maintains insulated properties despite being wet. Exactly. Yes, that's, I learned that from those ski trips that 
they were like, back in the day, your inner layer is always wool. Is that right? That's correct, correct? Yeah, it's essentially a safety measure and a, a backstop. Like, I don't know if you had to read, uh, what is it, to build a fire in middle school. But yeah. man, that man definitely needed wool socks. I've had to teach that lesson also. Um, That's a fun one to teach. <laughs> he dies. <laughs> the such a spoiler story. alert. <laughs> um, also, if they wore wool uniforms, they would be able to play in more inclement weather. You know, like winter ball. Right. It's like start the start the games in January. You know why not? Right. You're wearing wool. Yeah, wool in March is fine fabric, and the mud cleans out well. That I was wondering about that. Like canvas clothes. Right, right. I don't know if that would be good jersey material, but historically, when do you think Major League Baseball? transitioned away from wool jerseys. I mean, I thought it was the 70s or 80s offhand. I bet you 70s sound right. Uh, Looking it up, you guys talk amongst, amongst yourselves. Okay, yeah. I love this. Okay, so here's my next question. If clothing technology is cyclical, JP, what other kinds of technology do you suspect to be cyclical? For example, will pages ever come back into use? What about paper? On the fashion statement, unlikely. Uh, uh, we're seeing right now, uh, what is it, old school flip phones or, you know, dumb uh, phones are starting to come out. Um, essentially, people who have never lived in a world where a smartphone, you know, hasn't always been the way things have done are feeling, are, you know, you naturally have some sort of reaction to the conditions of your upbringing. And for people who've never lived in a world without smartphones, they're looking to them as a way of trying to break addictive tendencies of screen time and constant notifications, just simply because there's less functions that can make an older phone can interrupt you with. Yeah. Um, whether it'll end up being something like vinyl records, which, you know, that thing, came, yeah. those came back largely because of their tangible elements and like larger artwork. And there's a certain quality to them that was lacking from the transition towards digital software. Sure. But, you know, most people thought that was going to be a fad pop off for about five, six years. And then the millennials would get out of their 20s and move on. And uh, 20 years later, my record collection is continuing to go up in value. And I actually haven't been buying much even for the last year. Yeah. So that, you know, clearly is not just a blip on the radar as far as a lasting resurgence. Uh, you... <laughs> Cigarettes are making a big comeback. Cigarettes are making a big comeback? Yep. Are they? Yeah. Sweet. I'm excited about that. Not, sorry, cigarettes are not making a big comeback, but young people are smoking cigarettes again. Yeah. Instead of vaping? Instead of vaping, yeah. Yeah. I went into a gas station in Indiana last weekend, and I saw filtered Lucky Strikes, and I almost bought a pack. 
because I hadn't seen a goddamn pack of filtered Lucky Strikes in a gas station in the United States in years. Yeah, well, you, it's a good thing you didn't because those cigarettes have probably been there since... Since 1999. 2006, yeah. <laughs> so I can, I can top that. In uh, March, I'm from the Western Pennsylvania area, and it's a lot more tobacco-friendly um, without being a tobacco-growing region uh, than, you know, Brooklyn is. And I was home and at a gas station and I saw they're no longer technically cigarettes. Apparently that was a change in law, but they just basically replaced the papers and made them cigars, but a pack of Jarum cloves in this country. I thought they stopped making those things. I knew they were foreign made, but not only are they still making them, but they found some workaround. So they're still selling them in certain parts of the country. Hmm. Not here. It's illegal just being the flavor it is. Um, they they uh, made that illegal in New York State. But in Pennsylvania, there's still, you know, all sorts of like dipped cigars and flavored. And they just made non-mentholated flavored cigarettes illegal. So since the first time since I was probably 17, I smoked a Oh, a guy, uh, clove cigarello. <laughs> just to be like, I can't believe these things still exist. <laughs> I, uh, but I just took that wool jersey off because it was hot and itchy and fucking sucked. <laughs> you wouldn't be saying that if it was March and you were out in the muddy fields. <laughs> true. And it was raining. You'd be like, God, just I love like, this. Just lightly. <laughs> love this little jersey. It works. <laughs> the thing is, is that that smoking v vaping is like every time I see someone vaping, I'm like, oh, that guy is such a little bitch. Yeah. And then I see someone smoking, I'm like, oh, that guy seems cool. Yeah, exactly. exactly. In the way, that's the way it's always been, you know, like smoking is cool. Like vaping is not cool. No, that's- nobody thinks vaping is cool. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. People be vaping, though. People be vaping. People be vaping. People be vaping. True. All right. Hey, everybody, this is Joel. I'm coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. I just got a brief hot take that I want to share with the listeners today, and that is that the White Sox fucking suck. And just had to say that they just lost three out of four to the lowly Kansas City Royals. Two of those losses they got fucking blown out in, and their pitching staff might be the worst pitching staff in Major League Baseball right now. I'm not entirely sure. I was trying to look up some stats earlier. Um, And so, I mean, that's not a hot take. That's just a statement of fact. My hot take, though, gentlemen, is really a question. Like, what am I going to do to find some kind of joy in this baseball season? Because I've lived through losing seasons before, right? 2016, 2017, 2018, the White Sox sucked, but they weren't supposed to be good. And there was hope for the future. This year, the White Sox suck in a year they were supposed to be contenders, and there's no foreseeable hope for the future. So, like, I need to find some way to gain material pleasure out of this Major League Baseball season. 
I think I'm going to get really into baseball history and books, but I don't know what else I can do. What do you guys think? Hmm. Well, I got two things for you, okay? Yeah. I'm sad. I'm depressed. A, stop watching the games on TV. Start listening to them on the radio. and do Done. Listen. Done and done. Yeah. Well, the game is on because then it's not like... You know, listening to a baseball game is nice and it's pleasant to have in the background if you're like, you know, playing video games or, you know, reading the news or cooking dinner or whatever. Um, and it can just be a nice thing. And then you can pay attention when the action happens. But then, you know, the brutal slog of watching Lance Lynn walk the bases loaded, you don't have to pay attention. to That's A. B enjoy the fact that if this continues come July tickets are going to cost like seven dollars and you can just go to baseball games every weekend because it's not going to cost you right you know, that's because... what I loved about the White Sox when they sucked as in 2016 I loved going to a five dollar Chicago White Sox game and being like one of 2,000 fans at the stadium or something like that but this year, I think will be a little bit more depressing. Uh, but I think, like, I'm going to do a lot of, like, on this day, you know, May 11th in 1923, Johnny Dickshot went two for three with three triples against uh, Tris Harry. What, what did we call Tris Speaker? The Harry, the Harry Eagle. Come on, we came up with a nickname for Tris Speaker. Yeah, I don't remember. What? Why? <laughs> it was a very convoluted reason. His real nickname was like the Gray Eagle, and we were like, that's a lame nickname. His name should be the Hairy Eagle. Okay. Anyway, it, it made sense at the time. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm derailing the conversation right now. Anyway, the White Sox suck. They're not going to get any better. Uh, Lance Lynn, I was just I was just looking at some Lance Lynn statistics. He has pitched in 2023, 44 and a third innings, and he has allowed 37 earned runs. Uh, the White Sox starting pitching staff ERA is, for lack of a better word, butts. It's butts. It sucks. Um, they are plenty of better words than butts. No, butts. That's the perfect word for it. It's butts. It is like none of them are below seven. Here we go. Giolito, 3.67. Clevenger, 4.84. Cease, 5.58. Kopech, 5.98. And Lynn, 6.86. But, Sam, it's but. Chicago White Sox have the second worst ERA in Major League Baseball. At the A's? It's got to be the A's. A's by almost two full points. <laughs> Kansas City Royals are third worst. Right, and they just beat the shit out of us. Right. The Red Sox are the fifth worst. Yeah, but at least you have hitting. See, the White Sox don't have pitching or hitting right now. 
They're just bad. This is a bad baseball team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so maybe now might be a good time to be getting into statistics and whatnot. And if tickets go down to those kinds of prices like they did for you in 2016, you can be like Stephen King and bring your books to the ballpark. I've done that before. That's actually a very good point. I, and it's I, also a good time that while you're there, you should devote a little time to studying White Sox history so you can be put your sorrow in comparison of, well, at least yes. this time we shouldn't be waiting around 100 years for things to get better. Yes, exactly. I like that. Do you know, you know I also like JP's point about getting into statistics. Like maybe this summer you just learn what the fuck F war is, you know? <laughs> I don't like that as much because that's math and I don't like math. And also, here's my honest reaction to that is that there is one million baseball podcasts that dear listeners you can listen to that would tell you what F war and B war is and means. And they would talk about it for 45 minutes. What right. they won't talk about is like what happens if you put your baseball players in wool uniforms and make them pass out in right field. That's what the baseball podcast is here for. Yeah, that's true. Those podcasts suck too. Don't Those listen. Podcasts suck. listen to this one. Those podcasts are a dime fucking dozen. This podcast, we had, you know, what if a fly ball is always in play, so the outfielder has to crawl into the stands to get that fly ball and fight off the fans who are also trying to get the fly ball. Yeah. yeah. That's what this podcast is for. Yeah, those podcasts are a dime a dozen and they're overpriced. And that, they're overpriced. And they're overpriced at a dime a dozen. That's all I'm going to say. Nobody gives a shit about Carlos Correa's war from 2016 to 2018. Go Shut the fuck up. You shit about Carlos Correa at all. <laughs> shit about Carlos Correa. Fuck you, Carlos Correa. All right, I'm getting belligerent now. I should stop. <laughs> all right. Um, I want to give a shout out real quick to our listeners from last week's podcast. Uh, oh, where we talked about artificial intelligence. We should, we might talk about artificial intelligence again tonight because that's kind of a, a big thing that we're talking about. Uh, shout out to everyone who's listening to us. Columbus, Ohio, Champaign, Illinois, Cairo, Egypt, Frankfurt, Germany, Moscow, Russia, Phoenix, Arizona, Barcelona, Spain, Dallas, Texas, Dayton, Ohio, Los Angeles, California. Thank you so much for listening. Please continue to do so. Follow us on Twitter at umpdump2005. We also have a Facebook page, a TikTok page that, Sam, we got to talk about. I think I'm getting radicalized now by TikTok. I'm a little worried about that. Cool. <laughs> and exactly. We got Instagram <laughs> also. Oh, Spotify and SoundCloud. So follow Dump on the Ump on all your social media applications. <laughs> JP. In all of the ways to follow us, except for the one where you could hear us. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, well, Apple, Apple Podcasts. Oh, okay. Apple okay. Podcasts. You're right. 
They can hear us on SoundCloud and Spotify, technically speaking. But yes, Apple Podcasts or wherever you And can. someday, YouTube. And someday, YouTube, and you can look at us. Right. Yeah. See how freaking handsome we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, JP, you are a Western Pennsylvania guy. Yes. Uh, me and friend of the pod, Scott, who's a co-worker of mine in Illinois, we went to Pittsburgh about three weeks ago for a White Sox Pirates game. It was my second visit ever to PNC Park. And it is top tier baseball park of the 13 I think I'm at now that I visited. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I love it. I love PNC Park. Um, you are from the Pittsburgh area. What were you telling me about the every good view? Tell me about every good view. So essentially, it's worth keeping in mind that before PNC Park, you had a mixed-use stadium of the Coliseum style, um, <clears throat> Three Rivers. Um, and that stadium was one of those lovely stadiums where, yes, you could buy a ticket where you were sort of half sitting behind a pillar. Right. There wasn't any actual complete, you know, um, obstructions. But it was always one of those stadiums that, while iconic to look at, you know, in the city from a visual sense, it never quite felt like it did anything quite right. There was always something off about it it wasn't quite great for football it wasn't quite great for baseball it it was a stadium of compromises mm -hmm. the three rivers stadium is a great stadium name though i just oh, want, absolutely. To, I want to put that was it at the same confluence because right now in pittsburgh you've got pnc park jp what are the three rivers oh the monongahela the susquehanna and the ohio Okay, you do what Scott wants to come on this podcast. He's been asking for a while. We need to get Scott and JP. And it's just a let's talk about Pittsburgh shit. Like they would they would both geek out about Pittsburgh shit. Oh, that'd be fun. It's a small town, but it's got a ton of old stuff. I love it. I love Pittsburgh a lot. But was Three Wibble Stadium on the confluence? Um so it's been a long time since I've um, been in been in like Pittsburgh proper for a game. Uh, last time I went to PNC Park, I was probably 25. I'll be 40 at the end of this year. But Three Rivers Stadium was down um, in the bottom of the valley, like in the where the rivers met. It was kind of in the crux. Yeah. Um, offhand, I completely forget if PNC Park is in the same place Three Rivers used to be. I moved away 20 years ago, so, you it know. Is, it is exactly, it's exactly across the river from downtown from the point where the Fort Pitt used to be. And you can walk. The Roberto Clemente Bridge takes you from downtown exactly to the park. And where the point is, where Fort Pitt is, is just south of that bridge. So it's on the west side, West Bank, in Pittsburgh terms. Ooh, West Bank. Yeah. Hmm. So it might be across the river from where the old one used to be. 
the question, the because the terrible question, geographic stuff. The question um, is, is really, I mean, I'm sure we could Google this, but let's not. Because the question is, or is, let's all Google it at the same <laughs> time. Yeah. Is the Steelers Stadium where three where Three Rivers Stadium used to be, or is the Pilot Stadium? And because, that's honestly the thing I forget. Because right now there's a river between PNC Park and Hines Field, I believe. Don't don't quote me on that though. Yeah, but the Three Rivers was torn down when I was in high school. Um, I remember watching a 360 degree view from inside the stadium for the demolition on the news. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they had a camera rotating, so it was just spinning around as they timed explosives went off. So that was pretty fun. That's and then, cool. Yeah, that actually was pretty cool <laughs> to like just turn on the news and be like, oh, I get to get watch the inside of a building being blown up um, and it's well lit. <laughs> um, but essentially, uh, PNC Park, like Three Rivers Park was always one of those things where I felt so far away from the teams. Okay. And, you know, it made more, some sense to me the way football was set up just because of the shape of the field compared to baseball. Um, but like baseball, like Three Rivers was one of those stadiums that like I always you know, I was a kid when I went, so, you know, distortion for memories and whatnot. Um, but it was one of those stadiums where you felt the elevation a lot. Yeah. And also the way everything was built on top of each other, like being deep under the mezzanine, you know, at, at some sort of a theater performance. When you get far back enough back where it starts eclipsing, eclipsing the top of your view, you get a much different perspective and you feel it feels more isolated and kind of drawn out where PNC park is very, very open. It is laid out in such a way that everything is lower to the ground and just inherently makes even the worst seats feel a lot closer. And then Pittsburgh is, um, it's a town that's not set up very well for travel just because it was five small communities in the steel centered around steel industry era like robber barra era and industries and it became a city when they just ran ran built into each other so it has no grid pattern it has it's more not a fucking grid it's not a fucking grid jp it's the opposite of a grid i tried to walk from one point to the other and i'm like <laughs> the street just stopped why did the street just stop you could be on Main Street and you can drive through a tunnel on an overpass on the ground and you can pass multiple, like it has more bridges than Venice just from a lack of planning, not from an increase in water and canals. It's just literally five groups of people just built whatever they need to do as they develop. And then all of a sudden now you have Pittsburgh. Like right. the grid pattern came after it turned into a full on city. That was when they thought maybe we should be designing this with some idea that it fits together. So they just started building bridges and tunnels and overpasses. Um, but the but one of the results of this is that um, there are a lot of views of varying degree of scenicness. And one of the things that first impressed me about this PNC Park when it was built is I was in town with my mother on some errand walking around and across the river, I realized that that area of town has sidewalks about 10 feet wide. 
and you could reasonably speaking with binoculars stand across the river and they had built stadiums so it was completely open to view so even if you didn't feel like spending the money on paying a ticket or were unable to spend a ticket money on a ticket you could simply park yourself in the public area and take in as little or as much as you wanted of a game with a clear unobstructed view mm -hmm. it had a it was certainly the most welcoming stadium that I've ever personally been to from just the way it makes you feel like, yes, it's, you know, professional sports and their job is to milk you as much money as they can convince you to part with because it's a business and, you know, people pay for sports. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I remember uh, I went with my German class, you know, just some sort of like high school, early high school trip where for some reason the German club went on a trip to the, PNC Park. And so my first time at PNC it's Park to German was, on a, was on a semi-school trip, but not an academic school trip um, <laughs> with the German. Uh, we rode on like a diesel bus. Um, that was my first time living experience with glow plugs. <laughs> drove down to this, you know, ancient bus that I didn't believe the school actually really had until I had to drop, get in it and then went down to the most modern stadium I'd been in at the time. And it went from being this old rigid thing that as a small child, I always found I had trouble getting the angle I wanted or everything, you know, was farther away. And I didn't really feel like holding my dad's giant binoculars up, right. um, you know, like the big heavy kind for like long enough to see things as well as I wanted, where we paid $17 compared to like 40 or so that a ticket at the previous stadium had been running last time I went interesting and it was the best seat i'd ever had at the time and we were not even in great seats like there was you know one solid level behind us um of worse seats and i had no trouble seeing it was one it was an enlightening experience one of the best things about pnc park is that you have this amazing viewpoint of the pittsburgh downtown skyline from any place in the park, even if you're in the bleachers. I mean, like, it's just gorgeous. The only other stadium I've been to that comes close is actually Target Field in Minnesota, which is also mm -hmm. a, a, like a smaller park, very intentionally designed, uh, which I really appreciate. Like, uh, there's... The Giants Oracle Field is up there, but my two favorite go back and forth between PNC Park of the Pirates and Target Field of the Twins. At City Field in Queens, the Met Stadium, uh -huh. there's a beautiful view of a massive car junkyard. <laughs> All right, well, I'm I then I'm coming next July. Yeah, good. We're going to a Mets game because. I got to see that shit. Mets might be out of the running by that point at the way that things are going. We'll watch, a, we'll watch a fucking 40 and 90 White Sox team take on a 50 and 80 Mets team. I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, so last weekend, guys, I went to Cincinnati. And I went to a couple of White Sox games in Cincinnati. The White Sox won a game. The Reds won a game. This is not my first time I visited Cincinnati, but I love Cincinnati also. It was 
organized by like White Sox Twitter, but I I don't know. Like I just am weird about hanging out with people I know on Twitter. I've talked about this before on this podcast. Like you don't know me. I might be a serial killer. You might be a serial killer. I just thought everyone on Twitter was serial killers. I think that's a, I think that's a safe bet. I thought I think that the thing that concerns me about that, Joel, is that your main concern about meeting up with people from Twitter is that you might be a serial killer. <laughs> yes, they they might think I'm a serial killer. Correct. Right. Yes, so you're I'm not worried that they're serial killers. <laughs> you're worried that you might be a serial killer. Right, you are you are accurate in your analysis there. <laughs> uh, but JP, have you been to Cincinnati before? Uh, no. Um, you would like. I haven't spent a ton of time in Ohio as far as cities go. Yeah, I really like Cincinnati, and I feel so. When I go there, though, it's right on the Ohio River, on the Ohio Kentucky border. So I actually spent the night in a Holiday Inn in Kentucky, and then drive across the border into Cincinnati. And so it's got a similar, I only bring it up because Great American Ballpark, the Red Stadium, it's on the river, it's on the Ohio River, looking out at the downtown Cincinnati with its back to the Ohio River and Kentucky. So it's looking kind of northernly. Uh, And it's a very cool ballpark also. You could take a boat from the Pittsburgh Stadium to the Cincinnati Stadium. Oh, yes. Yeah. Wait. Whoa, <laughs> wait. We need to do that. Yeah. Maybe a barge. There's got to be a way to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you just ship yourself the cheapest commercial shipping you can find, I think you might find a way. No, you got to be able to. No, no, no. I'm talking like contract a party boat. And like float down the Ohio from Pittsburgh to Cincinnati. How far is it? it it's about a four hour drive. So 150 miles or so, it sounds yeah. like. 200 miles. Yeah. Mm. Oh my God, that'd be so awesome. It's got to uh, be. There's a ton of party boats in the Pittsburgh area. Right, right. Oh, that would be so cool. All right, we need to do that. Um, It'd be a long-ass boat ride. It would be a long-ass boat ride. It would be like a couple days. That's what boat rides are for. (laughs) (laughs) I took a boat ride when I was from, uh, what is it, Albany up by where the Buffalo, like, where the Buffalo Canal, um, basic, I don't know if it was where it ends, but where it meets the Hudson River all the way down to Philadelphia once i think all that day boat rides are just kind of what it comes with if you try and go anywhere on a boat as in getting somewhere not right. just spend time during the afternoon on the boat but with like a destination goal <laughs> we need like we don't need a party boat we need like a huckleberry finn style raft uh-huh. <laughs> just float down like, <laughs> float down from pnc flim flam men and <laughs> I feel like I'd like something with some sides, though. 
I roll when I sleep. <laughs> I agree. Me too. Um. Okay, Sam. I got. I got two topics. Okay. Pick one that you want to talk about. Okay. Do you want to talk about this A's announcer getting busted for using a racial slur on the broadcast? Or do you want to talk about the sweeper pitch? Eh, probably the sweeper pitch. Okay. Ask me about the sweeper pitch. Okay, what the fuck is the sweeper? What the fuck is the sweeper pitch? I don't know. I, all I know is that people have started using that term. People in broadcast and sports journalism have started using the word sweeper to refer to some sort of pitch, which I assume is a slider, probably. Right, right. And they just are using it as if we all should know what they're talking about. Like, it's always been a part of the vernacular, which it has. It has. Right. And I'm not wrong about that, right? Like, this sweeper is not part of the vernacular. Okay, so if you're a right-handed pitcher, okay. pitching to a left-handed hitter, okay, and your pitch starts outside uh-huh. and then curves inside, okay, do you call that pitch? I think that's a slider, right? I think that's a slider. I think that's what they're calling a sweeper. But I don't know why they're saying it's a sweeper instead of a slider. Maybe because it doesn't have any, well, everything's got vertical change, but maybe because it has minimal vertical change and maximal horizontal change. I don't know. That's my best guess. And then because I don't, uh, well, if you threw, if you're a right-handed pitcher pitching to a right-handed batter, it would start on the inside and curve to the outside. What do you call that? Okay, I'm looking at this article that's what is a sweeper. It's from the AP News, and it's talking about an interview with uh, San Diego manager Bob Melvin. And Melvin was talking about the um, some one of his relievers. He said the sweepers ended up being a really big pitch for him. And then one of the reporters said, what's a sweeper? <laughs> and Bob Melvin says, I don't know. <laughs> it's a slider. It's, it's a slider. Yeah, it's a slider. Sliders probably got a little more depth and the sweeper probably comes across a little more. Yeah, okay, fine. It's slider. So when did they start talking about sweepers? That's what we just this year. Okay, so I blame Pitching Ninja on Twitter, which is a a Twitter account that analyzes pitches, and he's been talking about and he knows his shit, obviously. But he he's the one who's introduced sweeper, quote unquote quote-unquote sweeper into the lexicon. And I think that's bullshit. It's a slider. It's a slider. Like, at what point does it, like, this is a question of linguistics. At what point does one baseball pitch become a different baseball pitch? Because that's the whole joke about you, Darvish, right? You, Darvish, has 15 
different pitches that he throws. Right. But he doesn't really. Do you right. know that? He's just got different variations of the same pitch. So if you throw, if you've got two sliders that you can throw, right? And if you've got one slider that doesn't elevate, that that does not have a vertical change, but does have a horizontal change, and you've got a different slider, maybe that you bury in the dirt, right? That goes, if you're a right-handed pitcher, that goes from top right to bottom left. At what point does that become a different pitch than your pitch that just goes from top right to top left? Do you see what I'm saying? Right. I think that's what they're calling a sweeper. A sweeper is a slider that doesn't descend at the same rate as a slider. Now, what's a cutter? A cutter stays inside, right? Cutter? Yeah. Cutter is like a fastball with movement, I think. Mm -hmm. Right. So how's that different than a sweeper? Well, it's a fastball and not a... Off-speed. Breaking ball. Yeah, not an off-speed pitch. But a sinker, like a sinker is a thing now. And no one throws a fork ball anymore or a screw ball. Oh. But they still do. They just call it something else. I think a cutter is... I think a sinker is like a fork ball. Right. And nobody throws a knuckleball. There are, yeah, I don't know if there are any knuckleball pitchers still in baseball. But I don't know, man. I think it's just, you know, it's this, it's this obsession with deep metrics where they're like, oh, well, we have to find a way to, you know, like a sweeper is probably just a curt, like a slider thrown at a three quarters arm angle would be my guess. I think you, yes, I think that's exactly correct. And it's these like statistic nerds on those other fucking shitty podcasts that I have a dozen podcasts. ever listen to. <laughs> no one should ever listen to any of these other stupid podcasts, but they like need, they have this need to like feel relevant and fresh and new and so they make a bullshit like the sweeper yeah that's not a thing right which is it's not a, a thing. it's a slider with with cut a slider with i don't know a edge to it so no it's just a slider well <laughs> it's just a slider <laughs> it's just a slider here's the thing though that i wanted to talk about the sweeper and the way that people are kind of throwing that term around real casual like um and that's that uh it's that people in baseball like baseball feels baseball is kind of like this eternal thing right it's like a never-ending um the past and the present are one and when things are new in baseball everyone has to pretend like they've always been there otherwise it's like what the fuck is this so it's like the new rules 
this year, everyone's just taking them in stride. All of the broadcasters and the people who are paid by the teams to talk about this shit are just like, oh yeah, this is great. This is like, this is what baseball is supposed to be. This is like getting back to what baseball was. When it's like, that's not true. Like, this is all new shit. The sweepers, like people are using this term sweeper, which is a new term, but they're pretending like it's not. Um, and that's like this thing in baseball, when they try to introduce new shit, they have to pretend like it's always been there. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes it sense. Uh, the eternal return of the same. And that's something, I mean, say it again. You said it, and I'm going to say it wrong. The past and the present and the future are always the same in baseball. Right. Like baseball is a suspension of time. Right. And so when we introduce... The eternal game, right? It's like yeah. it's an overused term we use on this podcast it's, it's a dub on the uh, policy yeah fathers playing catch with sons it's right. like who playing catch with their sons playing catch you know right it's the eternal pastoral ideal right. where it's nothing is ever new which is why it's weird so you say like okay we need to do uh, Satchel Page's book because he had a million different pitches that he had, like, like the three-fingered fork or the split ball. Like, he, he would just come up with names for his pitches. Like, you know, so the sweeper, is the sweeper pitch a new pitch? No. But they're calling it a new pitch. So therefore, is it a new pitch? I don't know. No. <laughs> no, it's just it's just a slider. But so a new pitch as a a new breed is a new dog. Yeah, I think so. And they're and all, they're all the same species. They're all just a dog. But everything they do to put a different spin on it, a different style a different angle, accent this, highlight that, it's still just a dog. Yeah, but what Sam was talking about is is like baseball's interesting relationship with time. And if you have an interesting relationship with time, that means you have an interesting relationship with change because all change happens via time. So if baseball is supposed to be this pastoral sport suspended from time which is why it's got a, a, a antitrust ta, a exempt monopoly exemption right then what happens when it changes with time but it always changes with time right they well, add fucking division no one notices change Kind of like the whole boiling frog concept. The boy, yeah, yeah, the boiling frog. Yeah, that's exactly. Except it. instead of it being the trap, it's the goal. I mean, eventually we get used to the wild card. Eventually we get used to in a division play. Eventually we get used to the universal designated hitter. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my my argument, or not even argument, but I mean, my point wasn't temporal. It was just that 
giving something a name to try and make it sound like something different, not necessarily new, because that's temporal, but trying to make it sound like something different to give you some unique quality. It, you got to call a spade a spade. It's it's a slider. It's a slider. Not a new pitch. It's, a, it's a minor variation that is only really noticeable in nuance. But conceptually, it's a slider. Mm, mm -hmm. mm. Like, I wonder from a hitter's perspective if it looks different. Interesting. All right. Um, I was going to talk about the Oakland A's, but I don't want to. So I wanted to ask you guys about your food hot takes. Um, I was at, like I said, I was at Cincinnati last weekend, and I probably took in some Skyline Cincinnati chili hot dogs. You know I love Cincinnati chili hot dogs. All my White Sox Twitter fans were like, what the fuck is this shit? I love Cincinnati chili hot dogs. Wait, so hold on. Okay. Yeah. I, I also want to talk about Cincinnati chili badly. Since you went there, I wanted to talk about it. But this but, was the White Sox Twitter thing. They were, they were, they were figuratively shitting on Cincinnati chili hot dogs. No, no. You went to Cincinnati because White Sox Twitter was going to Cincinnati, but well, then like, so like I had bought, they were going. I had bought tickets like three months ago, but I didn't know if I wanted to. I I made the decision to go the morning of. But you had bought tickets months before, mm -hmm. and a hotel room. And because it was also. But I'm confused. So what? this was a White Sox Twitter plan from months ago, or you bought tickets months ago and then whipped White Sox Twitter into a frenzy to all go and then you ghosted them? Is that no no? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, close though. Close. They were like, hey, let's all go to Cincinnati in like so the, the game was Cinco de Mayo weekend. Okay. In like February or March, they were like, hey, let's all go. I was like, hey, that sounds fun. I bought tickets then. Then in May, as it got closer, I was like, uh, work, I have to do work, uh, life, I have to do life, blah, 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 blah. Then I woke up literally on Friday morning and was like, fuck work, I'm driving to Cincinnati because I bought these tickets three months ago. And I went and I didn't you, hang out with anyone. So you just ghosted your work despite having these plans for months. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's well, no, I, I was like, I don't want to I'm just a piece of shit. But yes, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm going to go. I'm not going to go. I decided like literally at five in the morning on Friday that I'd start driving at nine in the morning on Friday, the, my 6 p.m. game. 
Uh, so you made it there around 9 p.m. then? No, I actually got there in good time uh, for me. Uh, and I love Cincinnati. It's a very beautiful city because as you drive into Cincinnati, it's very, it's all from, from Indiana. So Cincinnati is, is almost literally on the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana border. So it's Southwest Ohio. And it's literally on the Ohio Kentucky border, and maybe six minutes from the Ohio Indiana border. So, does it have like a vibrant Mexican culture? Uh, not that I know of. It's it's almost like the most northern southern city. What, so, what was the idea behind the Cinco de Mayo? Let's oh, all go no, the White Sox were there for Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. No, that, that had nothing to do with it. It was a Cinco de Mayo weekend and the White Sox were there for the weekend. Hmm. And you didn't hang out with any of your Twitter bros. Mm -hmm. Was Justin there? No. And neither was Luke and neither was Steve, who were the other people that I personally have no right yeah that's cool yeah they had uh, like, uh, Julie, then. how how many meals in the entire time you were there were chili based 75 mm, percent <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> yeah no i like cincinnati i like cincinnati chili I like Cincinnati chili dogs. I think that, you know, Chicagoans are so defensive about their hot dogs. Oh, is that why they were shitting on the Cincinnati chili dogs? I think, I think so. I think they're like, this isn't a hot dog. You put pickle, you know, you put a whole pickle and a whole hot pepper on a hot dog. You also don't just put only ketchup on it. It's a hot dog. Anything else pretty much goes. I don't get the deal with like the gatekeeping of hot dogs. Oh, I just think it's gross. It's like, I don't think. No, it's no, I agree with you about ketchup. I, I think ketchup has to be with other things to work. It doesn't. It doesn't pair I, well. I with agree with you so on well. ketchup, but you know, if somebody eats ketchup on their hot dog, I'm being like, yeah, it's gross. But I'm not going to be like, oh, it's not a hot dog if you put ketchup on it. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like. What the fuck, man? It's a hot dog. Well, it was a hot dog, and now it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Until you get some onions or something in there, too. Uh, I don't know. But was that on Twitter? Were they like, oh, these hot dogs in this town suck? Yeah, there was a lot of, like, there was a lot of talking shit about Cincinnati chili. You uh -huh. think, oh, this makes me shit as a joke. Line, which it does it does make you shit uh but it's so good uh the other thing jp because one time when i was at pnc park i got pierogies on a hoagie which i was super excited about at the <laughs> time and then disappointed with after the fact well because that's a starch on starch. 
Well, A, Pittsburgh, that general area, it's it's almost Midwestern, like in like, um, like my ex-girlfriend's from Michigan. And, you know, that is the area of potato pasta. They don't uh-huh. like, they don't make it out of potato. I they just put potatoes and pasta in the same thing. And I'm like, well, what else goes in? It's like, well, you got those. And I was like, that's okay. Uh, not, not the answer I was expecting, but Pittsburgh has a Wait, massive is like, it like spaghetti and mashed potatoes. So you know how like you'll go how like if you're in a certain region, you may find diner culture with like in upstate New York, a lot of the diners are Greek and you'll always find certain Greek dishes at diners right? or like, you know, Mexican diners or, you know, some sort of secondary uh, cultural connection. So yeah. Pittsburgh itself uh, was a number of immigrant communities that were essentially um, like singular ghettos that ended up only blending because they literally built into each other and were forced to address that they were no longer neighbors. They were part of one kind of unit. And it has a significant amount of um, populations that are not as common, uh, you know, nationwide. Like it has a one of the only two large um, concentrations of Slovak people that are really statistically meaningful in America. There's somewhat there's the the second one somewhere out in the Midwest, but like you know, there's not like you know how there's a lot of major cities with a Chinatown. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of uh, major cities with any sort of like concentrated Slovak neighborhood. But um, but so Pittsburgh had a lot of Eastern European populations and pierogies are just something that you just kind of accept is kind of everywhere. Like when I went to college, it surprised the heck out of me to find out that you can't just get pierogies at every pizza place because that's just a thing there. Also, like, you know, I, uh, in Brooklyn, you're going to get sandwiches from like a bodega or a deli. But in like the Pittsburgh area, that's also part of like what you expect from a pizza restaurant. And it's not just hot sandwiches like, you know, chicken parms. It's you would get your hoagies and things like that mm-hmm. at those kind of places. So it's it's basically sandwiches, pierogies and pizza kind of all share this starch loving not just cultural center, but actual economic, like you go to the same place to get these things. And, you know, if Pittsburgh does something, it puts starch on a sandwich. Yeah. Like the most culturally famous restaurant is a place that puts coleslaw, but more specifically French fries on the sandwich. Cause it was a dive, it was a dive bar in an alley off of a uh, trucker's route. It's like an area that was like a food distribution area. So it was literally just people like, you know, the same way they double park when they're unloading. Well, they would double park, grab a sandwich, but they weren't eating there. So they just shoved everything in one bag. Right. You know, it, the you got all, an extra hand. Putting your entire value meal in, in one hand held is the equivalent of what pizza is to New York. It is moving food. Well, it is, is walking food. It is driving food. Yeah. You know, it's so it's one of the results of that is like, have never had what you had, but I can't believe I've not seen it on more menus because it's exactly what we would do. So last story, and then we got to go. So Scott and I get to Pittsburgh. It was actually Easter weekend. So we get to Pittsburgh at like 6 p.m. on Good Friday, check into our hotel. We're like, let's go to a bar. We go to the first bar. The guy's like, no, we're closed. We're like, what? Like it's Good Friday, 
we can go to the second bowl. We'll, now we're closed. What? No, man, it's Good Friday. We're closed. And we're like, okay, well, we need a drink. Where are we going to go? He's like, go to that bowl. And we're like, what's that bowl? He's like, that's a, the Chinese bowl. And so we walk across the street. And we go to this Chinese restaurant. And, and they've got a sign. And they're like, welcome to Chinatown. This is like this historic Chinese restaurant that's been in Pittsburgh for 100 years. Huh. Now is what's left of Pittsburgh Chinatown. That's pit, like this one restaurant on this corner next to the Irish district. <laughs> where it was on Good Friday is Pittsburgh Chinatown. I did not even know that existed. Um, we got that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's one restaurant in a block. <laughs> and it was it was southwest downtown. Uh, and they had good food and we drank a bunch of sake. And then we went to like the touristy part of town that was open and drank there afterwards. But like. gone to the Oyster Bar. I mean, I know Pittsburgh's about 300 miles inland, but for some reason there is a famous oyster bar that is the most trustworthy piece of shit place I've ever been. Like okay. they don't refrigerate their beer right and we're 300 miles from the ocean and I'm in a coal mining and steel making town or at least what used to be. And it's some, somehow eating oyster, raw oysters off a paper plate in a place that I can see stacks of beer in shapes that I didn't know they still sold them in like soda flats. Uh, I was like, I didn't know they still even made those at the time. Is the only place I would trust eating an oyster in Pittsburgh for some reason. I don't. I think somebody else might have mentioned, might have recommended that to us also. Yeah, so it's, it's a hole in a wall, but it's a and it and it's some anomaly of history. But they've just been this completely almost proletariat level like raw place. Like all they got is shrimp cocktail, oysters, and maybe some clams. And like it comes on a paper plate. And you get okay. like cocktail sauce and in a little like one of the it's not just like the paper ramekins you get it like for ketchup at McDonald's. Ramekin. It's the ones they had in the 50s and 60s that are like the size of a thimble. And you're just like, I don't know what this is for. It you know, two French fries, you're out of ketchup. You get a little cocktail sauce of that. A wedge uh, of lemon, and then like an oyster on a paper plate. Great. All right, I gotta find this. All right, so we gotta do a Pittsburgh. We gotta float down. We gotta go to a game in Pittsburgh. Float down the Ohio River, and then go get to a game in Pittsburgh. Get on a raft. Yeah. However many days it takes to get to Cincinnati, and hope the Reds are in town at that. Point. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Sam, where are the Red Sox at next? Home against the Cardinals. Oh. oh, Cardinals are bad. You'll be fine. Cardinals are bad right now. I think I picked them to win the division. Yeah, a lot of people did, but they are struggling right now. Yeah, they're bad. So hopefully that's good for us. We got James Paxton on the hill tomorrow. Oh, Golden Eagle. Cool. First time can the the pride of Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So, I like it. 
first time in a Red Sox uniform, even though we signed him like a year and a half ago. Because he's been hurt, Tommy yeah. John? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. White Sox got to play the Astros this weekend. Jose Abreu's all the time. We this is our second time, and then we're done. Oh, I thought this was the third time. No, no, this is our second time, and then we're done. So Jose Abreu's grand homecoming from his mediocre Houston Astros team to his shit Chicago White Sox team. So I might try to get up there on Sunday. Oh no. Well, he's not having a good year, so that's going to make He's not having a good year. No, he's not. But I would like him to have a good year. I want him to succeed. All right. Um, And then, uh, yeah, I'm going to come out there for the Mets. I'm going to come. I need to come out to a Mets game. Yeah, come on on down. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Dub on the Ostensibly a Baseball Podcast. Thank you so much for listening once again. You can follow us on all your social media applications, Twitter, UmpDump2005, Facebook, Dump on the Ump, uh, we got WordPress, WordPress blog, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, follow us on TikTok, follow us on Instagram, I think that's everything. Uh, JP, man, thanks so much for doing this. Let's do it again sometime, all right? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. For Sam and JP, my name is Joel. Ladies and gentlemen, have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow. Sweet baby, I'm going to leave you. And let you have if you don't believe I'm leaving, count the days I'm gone. <laughs>